Good morning, church, and Merry Early Christmas, I suppose. It's great to get to open the Word with you this morning. Uh, We are looking at Luke chapter 2, the birth story of Jesus for this Advent morning. And if you uh, have a Bible, I invite you to open up and follow along. It'll also be available up here on the screens. Also, we got new Bibles that are waiting to be unboxed um, that will be here next week. So we'll have a, a Bible for every pew, and they are the right size, so the covers won't get torn off when you try to pull them out and everything, so praise God for that. Uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, if, uh, if you would stand to honor the reading of God, God's word, please do that. Beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, it's fitting to pray your word from Psalm 40, that blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. And I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. 
Lord, your wondrous deeds are more than can be told. And this story is the greatest example of that. How marvelous you are, how wonderful you are. So Lord, I pray that as we listen this morning to your words, God, that you would open our hearts to hear you, to receive you. Would you meet us in our various places right now of faith or maybe lack thereof? Would you encourage us, challenge us, convict us, guide us, and most of all, lead us to your heart that we may find in you the peace that our souls so desperately need? We pray, would your Holy Spirit be powerfully at work in our midst this morning? And would you be lifted high? In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> you can be seated. <clears throat> well, we are in an Advent series that is reflecting on various promises related to Advent. Last week, we uh, looked at an Advent promise to sinful people. Of course, that's all of us. And this week, we're reflecting on an Advent promise for anxious people. You know, it seems that wherever you turn today, there's some headline, there's some story, there's some news about the, the prevalence of anxiety in our world. Anxiety, you know, itself is, is so wide-ranging, and there's such a variety of contributing factors to it, whether they're, they're personal, like your genetics, your childhood experience, your temperament, your, your thought patterns, or they're, they're more kind of macro, things that you can't control. Um, that it, it really does affect a great many people. In fact, according to the U.S. Census data, nearly one in three adults in the U.S. reported symptoms of anxiety or depression this year. One in three. And despite all the advancements and, and wealth and the means of our society, we as a people are afflicted with record setting levels of anxiety. And, you know, this isn't something that we're far removed from. Anxiety and depression are issues that I've experienced in my own life. They're in my story. And I know that the same is true for many of you in here this morning as well. So what does Advent, the anticipation of the Messiah's coming, say to an anxious age and an anxious people? Well, I want to just look at two very brief observations from the story of Christ's birth. The first is that the gospel was born, as it were, in the midst of distress. You know, the chapter here opens with this familiar Christmas passage of of the birth of Jesus. And unfortunately, our familiarity with the story can kind of dull our awareness to the significant difficulties found within. First off, there's, there's Mary's pregnancy. You know, the angel Gabriel came to Mary nine months earlier with the news that though she was a virgin and betrothed to be wed, that she would miraculously bear a child by the supernatural power of God. And this child was going to be the very son of God. His name would be Jesus. 
This Mary accepted this, this calling with faith and humility, but this calling that she accepted was an extraordinary gift. She was blessed, as we heard that passage that Jay read earlier. But it also came with significant hardship. You know, in a first century devout Jewish culture, her pregnancy outside of marriage would have been seen as scandalous. She would have been incorrectly viewed by her contemporaries with suspicion and unfairly presumed guilty of immorality. She would daily have to live in the tension of knowing that she was doing the will of God while being unfairly judged by others as sinful, maybe excluded. You can only imagine the the emotional strain that that would put on her, let alone on the relationship with her fiancé, Joseph, the man that she loved. This news risked disgrace to him, and we, we learn that he felt the weight of that social pressure and that he was making plans to quietly separate from her. We see that in the Gospel of Matthew, right? Until he was also visited by an angel, and that angel affirmed what Mary had said. So there was tremendous stress in Mary's pregnancy. But secondly, we see also there are the conditions of the birth. You know, when they were on the verge of, of having their baby, Mary and Joseph were required to travel back to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, and be counted in a census. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the child to be born. And this was, of course, many centuries before the creation of general hospitals, so children were typically birthed at home with the assistance of relatives or midwives. But being away from home, they needed somewhere else to stay. A a tradition developed from a few early church fathers that this took place in a cave, which is where this popular conception of Jesus being born in a stable came about. And though it's not outside the realm of possibility, there's a more likely explanation. You know, it would have been customary, even obligatory, for relatives that lived in that area to make room for a family that was visiting from out of town. It would have been shameful if you weren't to take your relatives in when they were visiting. And because this is Joseph's hometown, it's certainly the case that he had relatives there. Plus, the word that is often translated in is really better understood as lodging place or a guest room rather than a place of public accommodation, right? Palestinian homes in that day typically had one bedroom, and then there was a living room below and possibly a a connecting small guest room. Because the ground floor was often used for animals, like bringing the animals in at night to give them shelter, there was a feeding trough in the living room. And so most likely, Mary and Joseph stayed at a relative's house in their small guest room during their time in Bethlehem. But the room was so small that you couldn't deliver a baby in there, right? So Mary labored in the living room, and when Jesus was born, they used the manger, the feeding trough, as his crib. Now, hopefully that doesn't ruin Christmas for too many people here. You know, if you went all in on the nativity scene that has a very prominent stable and that's like out in your front yard, don't worry about it. It's okay, you know? Just get some sheets of plywood, rip them down, put those on the side, and boom, you got a house. Even with the, the stable aside, 
Mary and Joseph's dream, uh, dream birth plan probably wasn't to emergently deliver a child in a relative's family room while on a government-mandated trip out of town. You know, that probably doesn't make the top 50 or even or the top five or even the top 50 preferred birth stories, you know, when you're writing your, your dream birth story. And yet, it's in the midst of those chaotic, stressful, and taxing circumstances that the greatest event in the history of the world took place. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, was born. God came to dwell with his creation. And he did not choose to come into a perfectly manicured environment, you know, whatever the first century equivalent of Pottery Barn was. The king of heaven did not come down into an earthly palace or a place of wealth or a place of status. He came to a humble, ordinary living room. He came to a young couple, likely frazzled and overwhelmed by the demands and the adjustment and the exhaustion of caring for a newborn. He came to a family that was, in nearly every way you can imagine, displaced from what was comfortable or even humanly planned. But it was in the middle of all of that that God came to dwell with his people. In the midst of the messiness and the difficulties and the stress of life, God came. If you feel like in your struggles, in your stress, in your, in your worry, that God is far removed, like you're reaching out to him and you can't take hold of him, take heart in knowing that he is anything but that. God demonstrated in the lives of Mary and Joseph what he promised in the Psalms. That the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. It is in your brokenness. It is in your despair. It is in your affliction that the Lord draws near to you to rescue those who will look to him and trust. So we see this first observation that the gospel was born in the midst of distress. And secondly, we see that the gospel was announced in the midst of darkness. You know, after Jesus was born, a host of angels were sent to proclaim his arrival. But following the same format as before, they didn't go to the place you would expect, right? Instead, they, they go to a hillside outside the city to proclaim their message to a group of shepherds who are watching over their sheep. Shepherds could be the owners of the flock, or they could be servants of those owners, but either way, they were generally lower class, poor, and humble people. They worked constantly to protect and provide and guide their sheep, to lead them to places of, of sustenance and safety with keen thought to the seasons and the land and the particular needs of their flock. Good and faithful shepherds worked tirelessly day and night. And it was to this group of lowly, humble, devoted, hard-working shepherds that God sent his messengers 
with the greatest news of all time. But there's one detail included here that's significant. It really stood out to me this year. And that's that the angels came to the shepherds at night. It's interesting. There's no reference given to when Jesus was born. And the birth story doesn't mention what the time of day or anything like that. Though Luke could have recorded that. He doesn't. But he specifically includes the details that he came to the shepherds at night. Tim Laniak is a professor of Old Testament at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He spent a, a year on sabbatical research studying Bedouin shepherds. He lived with them. He traveled with them. He watched the flocks with them. He conversed with them. He wanted to learn firsthand what it meant to live as a shepherd. And in one of the books that he wrote on this subject, he records this about what happened at night. He said, quote, As the molten sun descends behind the desert's desolate landscape, the daylight's eye-squinting brilliance is slowly overcome by a heavy darkness that creeps down wadi walls and spreads across each valley's open ground. A shepherd and flock traveling home at the end of the day are swallowed by the invading shadows. Dangers escalate in the deepening darkness. Night is the kingdom of predators. Shepherds who move their flocks at night do so at great risk. They hope for help from the moon and the stars, which they study well. Under the cover of a black sky, mischief will flourish. Attentive guards will be on alert for thieves, for wild animals, and looming storms. Shepherds who lack desert savvy easily lose all sense of orientation and often lose their nerve. Nighttime. Night was a time of danger for the shepherds. Night was the time that tested their mettle, their resolve. Night was when the predators came out. And yet it was in the darkness of night that God came to them. At the time of the greatest strain on their wits, at the, at the time of the greatest challenge, at the time of the most uncertainty, God came to them. And the blackness of the night sky was suddenly flooded with light. And this group of shepherds stood in fearful wonder at the brilliance of the glory of God as they heard these words, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. God sent news of deliverance to a humble people who desperately needed it. God comes to us in the darkness, and he overcomes the darkness. It's not just poetic, it's a promise. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Later in John, we hear these words from Jesus. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He comes into the world with the light of the glory of God to meet us 
in our darkness and to rescue us out. So what is our Advent promise? What is the Advent promise for an anxious people? Simply this, that Jesus did not come only to a world in distress and darkness. He came for a world in distress and darkness. He came for a world wrecked with anxiety and wearied with distress. He came for a world worn down by the difficulties and the pains and the struggles of life. He came for a world overwhelmed and exhausted by the realities of this broken existence. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He is a Savior who, as the angels declared, came to bring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Our Savior came to bring peace, peace with God, peace with men, peace to those overwhelmed by anxiety. And this good news was made possible not just through the conditions of his birth, but the conditions of his death. In his death, Jesus experienced the greatest distress. In his death, he endured the deepest darkness. And yet it was through that distress and in that darkness, through his sacrificial death for us, that Jesus brought us life and light. The gospel came into the world and the gospel was proclaimed in its completion at the cross. What a savior we have. So if you find your mind and your soul weighed down with anxiety this morning, if you can't see a way out and the darkness around you feels impenetrable, just remember that there is good news of great joy for you. Unto you is born this day a Savior who came to bring you peace. Amen. We turn now.